You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. How ground-penetrating radar is helping people who are living find people who are not. This is episode 315 for the 11th of November, 2017. This is Dan Bigman from LearnGPR.com, and you are listening to ARC 365, a podcast a day in 2017. Ground-penetrating radar is probably the most popularized non-invasive technique used in archaeology, popularized not just in the field of archaeology, but in popular media. Um, I have watched episodes of CSI, of Bones, and of other uh, uh, you know related kinds of topical uh, uh, shows on, I was going to say t- TV, it's really not TV anymore, streaming on my computer, uh, where they use ground-penetrating radar. Right? So ground-penetrating radar, which is often for short GPR, is, ident- you know, is, is used in these shows uh, uh, usually to find buried humans. Um, similar things were used, what's called seismic, which is a similar technique, but not exactly the same as GPR, is used in, in uh, Jurassic Park. And what you get in a lot of these situations, although not all, but in a lot of these situations, you get, you know, this this picture, this image of a series of bones, a sequence, a buried body that comes out, and it's like, oh, yep, there is the body. In reality, it doesn't work that way. It's certainly not not that easy. Um, but finding graves, unmarked graves, is actually only one application in archaeology for ground penetrating radar. So in this podcast, we'll go over the basics of how ground penetrating radar works. Again, it was it was even talked about on Colbert. Okay, I saw him making jokes, you know, about it. It was a very funny joke on the Colbert Report. Okay, uh, when they found Richard the Third, I guess it was. Don't quote me on that. That it was the third, but uh, in England, under a parking lot, how'd they do it with GPR? And Colbert said, even in death, this guy can't get away from the paparazzi. Right? They they even go after dead people. So, uh, which was a very very funny thing. And and and, and again, it's really it's very similar. Okay, because cameras do use light in order to image something. GPR uses an electromagnetic radio wave. Light is also electromagnetic wave, but it's produced really produced by heat, obviously the sun, uh, in, in the case of a camera, where GPR uses an EM wave, but it's a radio wave produced by an antenna. So the way that GPR works is the follows. GPR, you, you know, to use GPR, you pull or push an antenna along the ground surface. As that antenna moves along the ground surface, and at whatever interval you define, it'll create an electromagnetic pulse. That pulse is just a, a wave. It creates a wave. That wave will then travel through the subsurface and will continue to go until, in a sense, one of two things happens. It either it loses its signal strength or it reflects off of some discontinuity in the subsurface. And when it reflects... Some of that energy will reflect back to the ground surface and be recorded by the GPR. That's how it works. It puts out an electromagnetic wave at the ground surface. That wave travels through the subsurface. And if it finds a discontinuity, and in archaeology, some of these might be a burial, a hearth, a wall, a ditch, uh, uh, an artifact, 
that could that could happen like an artifact a layer <clears throat> for example right like within monumental construction so in very large buildings sometimes they're built in multiple stages you might find those stages right within that building whenever it finds a discontinuity right whenever this wave that's em wave traveling through the subsurface encounters a discontinuity it'll send some of that energy back and it'll be recorded at the ground surface when it does two things are recorded the two-way travel time and the amplitude so what's the relevance for each of those the two-way travel time is what allows gpr to accurately measure the depth of something if your gpr wave is traveling through the subsurface and you know its speed and you know how long it took to get to some discontinuity and come back you can multiply those to get the depth this is very helpful for archaeologists who have to go in and excavate and find some sort of target to know the depth, to know what, you know, how much dirt they're going to have to excavate out before they find their target of interest. So that's why two-way travel time is important. The amplitude is important because how much of the signal actually comes back will depend on how different or similar the two different materials are that the wave is reflecting off of. So if you have sand, sandy soil, and you have a burn pit, a hearth buried in that soil, the organic materials between that hearth and the sand are very different. So when the wave that's traveling through the subsurface hits that hearth, that burn pit, that cooking pit, and bounces off of it or reflects off of it, a lot of the signal will reflect because they're very different types of material. In another situation, and this happens in Central America often, where you get building materials cut out of bedrock that is also the parent for the soils. So you'll get in a karstic environment, a limestone building blocks buried in karstic based soil. Well, they're just not all that different. And so only a little bit of that signal will reflect off of your building uh, because the soil it's moving through is already so similar. So it, in effect, tells you how deep something is and how different the material was that it bounced off of. So what GPR cannot tell you, for example, any treasure hunters that are listening to the podcast, it will not tell you that with a big arrow, here is the gold. It's not going to tell you that. I know you want it to tell you that. It's not going to tell you that. And stop emailing me asking me how to identify the gold. It doesn't work that way. What it does tell you is there's some sort of contrast in the subsurface. And that might be the hearth. It might be, you know, uh, uh, cut limestone blocks. It might be basalt. It might be a layer. You know, it might be whatever it is. It's just looking at contrast. It might tell you here's the bottom of a grave shaft. It might tell you whatever it is. It's contrast. In order to interpret those contrasts, you need context which I talk about all the time, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and you need some training in ground penetrating radar to understand the signals that are coming back. So that's the way it works. It puts out, just to summarize, an electromagnetic wave at the ground surface. That wave travels through the subsurface and then will reflect off of some sort of discontinuity, come back to the ground surface and be recorded by the GPR. The two-way travel time and the amplitude of that signal will be recorded. Now, what's great about GPR is it's really the only truly three-dimensional technique 
that's used often in archaeology. There are other techniques and they can give you some three-dimensional views, but none like GPR can because its depth estimates are so accurate. If you collect, right, this wave, it pulses out and it tells you what's going on below the antenna. If you push that or drag it along a line, it'll create a two-dimensional vertical profile into the subsurface, which would be like as if you excavated out a trench, jumped into the trench, looked at the side wall of that trench. That's what your GPR profile is basically telling you. But if you collect these side by side by side, you can actually, what's known as a resample, which is take all your data points and look at them from a different way. And so you can resample it and look at it from top down as if you're peeling layer by layer. So once you do these side by side by side, you can actually tell your software, show me what the subsurface looks like if I peeled off one foot of soil. What does the subsurface look like if I peeled off two feet of soil? What does it look like if I peeled off three feet of soil? And it lets you look layer by layer into the subsurface. This is an incredible technique that has been so helpful for archaeologists to help preserve archaeological sites, to help uh, preserve uh, 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 you know, unmarked graves and things like that, or to help archaeologists identify targets for excavation. Um, you know, for future for future investigations. It's just an incredible technique. However, it's not a magic bullet and uh, it does not give you exactly what it is like that series of bones, right? It doesn't show you that the body's there. It just shows you that there was contrast. It shows you a reflection of an EM wave, how long it took to get there and come back and how different they are. It'll show you some other things again at the higher level, but for our purposes, that's basically what it tells you. It tells you contrast. So it's a benefit Telling you contrast is a big benefit um, because things don't need to carry a current. They don't need anything. As long as there's a contrast, it'll it'll show the contrast. But the contrast is also its drawback because you have to rely on just the contrast and it won't tell you, you know, exactly what is there. It takes interpretation and, and skill and experience uh, and time. Um, so there are some other limits to ground penetrating radar. Another major limit that's often cited is that in conductive soils, your radar wave will not see very, very deep because the conductive soils will actually eat up your signal. Okay, They'll eat up your signal and only let you see what's going on uh, in very shallow depths. There's some ways to compensate for this a, a little bit, um, which is different antenna frequencies will allow you to look deeper into the subsurface. But even if you use a lower frequency antenna, which allows you to look deeper, right? A higher frequency antenna will allow you to look more shallow. A lower one will allow you to look deeper. However, it's still a subject to the conductive soils. You can't get around the physics. People would love for you to get around the physics, but you just can't do it. So there are limitations like the conductive soils, uh, for example, like it only tells you contrast. However, if you can map in great detail an archaeological site, then it'll give you things that do not look natural. So for example, if you collect GPR data and you have a series of reflections that create a rectangle with 90 degree angles, that generally is not natural. And you can make an inference then that that's probably constructed by human beings at some point in the past. And so it's using all of these different pieces of information to 
help you decipher basically what the GPR is showing you. Popular technique, definitely the most popularized. I just saw something again come by today in the New York Times about uh, uh, ground penetrating radar being used in archaeology. Um, so it's often the most well-known, but certainly rarely described uh, in its true kind of form. So I hope this was helpful. If you want to learn more about ground penetrating radar, head over to learngpr.com, enter your name and email address in, and we will send you free videos about ground penetrating radar to your inbox every single week. That's it for this episode of ARC 365. Please share this episode on your social media sites so others can have fun and learn about archaeology too. Please consider a donation to ARC 365 by sponsoring an episode for just $35. You can find the sponsor page at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash sponsor ARC 365. Thanks and have a great 2017 with the Archaeology Podcast Network. The song Storm Diggin' was written, performed, and recorded by Steve Webster. This show was produced by Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.